and welcome to episode A of the It's Nice That podcast. This is the show where we talk to leading designers, illustrators, creative directors and photographers about the delights and dramas of being a creative. We want to scrub away the Instagram gloss and hear the honest truth from people who have built careers out of their creativity. How do they come up with their best ideas? What's the secret to staying inspired? And what happens when creative projects go awry? My name is Kieran Yates and I'm a journalist, contributor and friend of It's Nice That. I'm standing in for our usual host, Matt, who is currently on paternity leave. But you will still be hearing his dulcet tones because this week he sits down to chat with the multidisciplinary designer, Camille Wallala. We'll hear how she finds peace beyond crises of confidence, the joy of building installations that bring people together and the power of saying no. And then a little bit later, stay tuned because we'll be heading to Cornwall for our nice note. We'll be hearing from the creative director of Kingdom and Sparrow, Johnny, about the places we fall in love with. That's all coming up on the It's Nice That podcast. First, though, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined for this episode of the podcast by my colleague, Lucy Borton, our senior editor. Hello. Hiya, Karen. You're all right. Yeah, I am. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, you too. How have you been? Very good. Well, it's really funny that we're talking about Camille today because I feel like so much of her work exists in the sort of physical outside space and it's been a while since any of us have really been out there yeah definitely although I still always go past that huge mural that she has I think it's in Old Street I always go past it on the bus so there's still that out there in the world at least (laughs) yeah I've seen the facade at Cold Drops Yard in King's Cross which is also really beautiful so nice I was going to say as a fellow writer you sort of must understand a bit of the crisis of confidence that she talks about or the burnout (laughs) yeah I was kind of interested in in some of the conversation that you thought particularly spoke to you because I know you've heard it already haven't you yeah yeah I loved it I think it's definitely that like crisis of confidence which definitely resonated with me I think it's so nice to hear someone so established be so honest about those kind of worries that they sometimes have I think in general I'm quite enjoying that I guess it's kind of a bit of a theme amongst creatives at the moment that they're being a bit more vulnerable in how they speak about their work and I much prefer it to the kind of like overconfident style that has kind of dominated the creative industry for so long. I think it's much more refreshing to hear the kind of thoughts behind all of this work. And I think there's even a part where she says something around how the pandemic really changed the way she felt about her work initially. And even so far, like said that she didn't even really like the work that she was creating. And I thought, yeah, that was such an honest and brilliant thing to say. And yeah, definitely resonated with it. I love that she talks about burnout because it feels like a little bit of liberation from the relentless hustle culture of creating, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it was so refreshing to hear that. And that you can just actually say no to projects. Did you know that? (laughs) And that thing that she said is such obvious advice, but she says something about like, just ask for more time when you get a briefing, like if the deadline is really soon. And I was like, yeah, why do I never ask for more time? (laughs) Yeah, that's never occurred to me before. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you to Lucy and thank you to Camille for the inspiration to remind us to ask for more time. Now, without further ado, let's hear that chat with Camille Walala. 
Hi, Camille. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome to the It's Nice That podcast. Oh, hi, Matt. Thank you for having me. How's it going? How's your week going? I feel like spring has finally sprung this week. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, definitely. Just like trying to spend as much time as possible in the sun. Pleased to hear that. Now, Camille, for our conversation today, I want to talk about a number of topics revolving around creative confidence, burnout, and I guess how you've rediscovered the joy of experimentation as well. I want to also touch on the positives and the challenges of having a really recognizable style as an artist. But I think this story starts really with the pandemic. And I know some people probably will be sick and tired of hearing about the pandemic. But for you, it sounds like it really brought about a shift in your thinking and about your practice. Could you first of all, Camille, just talk us through how you were feeling about your work prior to February 2020? Yeah, so like just before the pandemic, I think I was really busy. I've been like the last past four years, especially it's been constantly nonstop. Me and Julia, my partner, we just like did have to do a lot of traveling and just like in terms of the creativity. I didn't have almost time to breathe or like to come up with new concepts. I almost feel guilty if I was spending any time like experimenting because I just felt I was not productive enough. So I was just literally, yeah, just doing the same project, feel like using a little bit of the same style and pattern, which obviously that was, that's been amazing for so many years, but just at some point I was starting to get a bit bored of my work or I was just not really enjoying as much. And then the pandemic hits. I didn't have any kind of a desire to work where originally I just love what I do, but it was like, I didn't feel like doing anything creative and nothing. I felt like a bit of a, almost like an artist crisis or like an identity crisis. I just didn't really know what I was doing. didn't really like my work anymore. All I wanted to do is like, I was just putting paper on, on the table and going like a five years old child, like doing a lot of like mess with paint and like going with the flow and just like doing things which was a complete opposite of what I would do normally, which is like straight line using tape and like everything is mature. Like it's like literally no room for mistake or I used to love being really in control of everything kind of start doing the complete opposite but obviously it was so different than what I was doing it was just more like almost like a creative release or almost like a bit of a therapy which was quite nice to do but yeah so like the last past year or a bit more it's just been quite difficult to readjust what I wanted to do or like yeah like which kind of direction I'm gonna go with work because ultimately it took me so long to kind of get to where I am and and it's been hard and I think it makes me when I got there finally it was so amazing to be able to do what I want and people wanted my work because of my style which is like so nice to be in this position yeah just starting to get bored and just needed to have a shift I mean would you describe that feeling as kind of creative burnout that you're having it's a topic that we've heard lots of people speak about over the past couple of years and it sounds like that almost was creative burnout for you yeah it's funny because when uh, I remember like before the pandemic we didn't even have the time completely carry on and, and didn't stop and I think this fact we just had to stop and then I really realized it was just like didn't want to do anything creative didn't have any ideas or just like I was almost like traumatized I just like I was like, I didn't really want to do anything which is opposite that what I've been doing for the last past four five years it's quite funny because like never now like now I feel like I'm not doing any work and it's like I'm working, but compared to what we were doing before, and when I see people like friends, I would say, oh my God, you're constantly working, or you know, you're constantly putting things out there, but I just feel like compared to what we were doing, it's like almost like I feel like I'm not working, which is completely crazy, because I think it was not sustainable to carry on that way, or or I think for us also, you make us realize we don't want to become a massive studio. I don't want to have like a lot of people to be responsible of. I think like I just have to find a balance between work and pleasure, you know, like just to be able to kind of realize actually it's amazing to be creative and we are in an incredible position to do that as a job. But yeah, just have to kind of make sure you don't burn it all out. And I think like just feel like you have to like trust your feeling and you have to trust your guts. And, you know, it's not always like going up. My dad is like, he's a retired now, but he's an architect. And he always tell me that, yeah, like when you're creative, you're going to have some high and low and it's actually also okay so and it's true like you just can't be that I was just always I wanted the high constantly and it's not obviously sustainable 
It's okay to say no, and you just have to make sure you to trust. Yeah, whatever the decision is gonna gonna take, and it's quite scary. I've got like definitely moment of like, what am I doing? I should say yes to this project. It's big, or but it's been actually quite nice to be able to say no and and trust the new project is gonna come along. And I think try to find a balance. Obviously, you still need to make a, a living with your work, but it's nice to kind of like create something which is a bit more meaningful as well. I think that's the thing as well. I was just doing a lot of like big project and I think I just was missing a bit of like, I don't know, something a bit more meaningful. Well, let's look at the kind of the rediscovery of the joy, I guess, in, in your creativity, because you talked about experimenting with different things. And I think watercolour painting was one of those things that you experimented with and, and had some fun with. Like I said, at the beginning, it was like more trying to do something which is not different way of painting or like different way of creating. You know, when you're so busy, you just constantly do things on the computer where during the lockdown, like the few projects where I had, when I, I wanted to mix, normally I just look at the Pantone or like, a, and then I, I send that as a color reference. But this time it was like literally going in the studio, like painting swatches of paint and like take the time to, to find the right tone and make a little maquette. Like, you know, normally we do everything on the computer. So do things more like manually was really nice. And I think, uh, and also the approach becomes different, but I used to feel quite guilty to spend because it takes more time. It's not like, yeah, on Illustrator, you can go back and forth. So yeah, it was like every time I had a bit of time, I'd just been like doing this painting, like almost like a child, you know, when you're a kid and you don't think about it, you just let go. And it's like, you don't really think of the final result, but you're just like the whole process. That's what I guess you want to do. But so I've been doing a lot of that. Every time I had a bit of time like, during summer, I started to be like last summer, I did a few paintings. A lot of them I didn't like. It's a bit different than what I normally do, but I've done some like 20 painting with like oils and stick. And so it's definitely loser. It's not like as straight because I didn't use tape or I just quite like the, like the more almost room for mistake or room for like, it looks a bit more human than just like a design on the computer and replicate with tape. So yes, yeah, the last past 20 I've done, I just really like them. And it was just like a nice let go. And um, I give them to this charity actually called uh, Megbank and they're really great. I've just been in contact with them. Normally they sell prints of artists to help to pay for material for kids to go to our school or, or just for them actually, just for them to have at home. And we've been in contact for the last past few years. And I'm, like, I'm going to send you a print, I'm going to give you a print. But I actually told them, I said, you know what, I don't actually, I, I would love to make more like one-off painting instead. And then you can sell them and all of the money can go to hopefully to the kids. Also, it makes me feel like I had a purpose to be creative. You mentioned there the kind of, you know, you can get known for a certain style and you talked about kind of flat patterns as, as something that I guess has been, you know, in the past has been known as a Kamiwa Lala style. I'd love to explore that a little bit further, you know, because it feels slightly strange to me because art schools often seem to push young creatives into developing a style that's unique to them, which kind of makes sense. But it can also become something that's a little bit of a burden later down the road in your career, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. I just, I'm always quite fascinated when I go and see exhibition of people. I don't know if you know, like, De Buffet, De Buffet is like this French painter. I love his work so much, especially the last part of his career. He's got a certain style evolved, but one is like really kind of like messy painting. And at the end, it becomes much more graphic and primary colors and strong black line, which I really love that. Yeah, I love that kind of like direction. And it was quite interesting to see, yeah, the evolution of his career and his development as an artist. Have you found in the past that you've almost been, I mean, it's a kind of horrible word, but like pigeonholed by art directors or commissioning editors, whoever it is, into creating work in a certain aesthetic because that's what they've seen in the past. Is that something that's 
kind of happened to you? And I guess, how do you deal with that if that has been the case? Probably the last past few years, like people have been contacting me because they did like my style and my work. So it's just it's a good starting point. From the time I was happy with my direction, it was great. But just because when I had a bit of a moment of doubt, but I didn't know what else to show them. So it was a, it's a bit of a, it was a little bit of a difficult period. But I remember like when I had this um, design, I don't, know, I don't know if you've seen this, I did this massive wall in New York on this big facade. Usually I try to give like option, maybe like two options of design for the clients. I just knew from this flat wall, this flat, the building, usually like most of the inspiration comes from like the structure, like of the building already or, or the site. I'm not good with, with the white canvas. I'm like, this is freaking me out. I just need some uh, restraint or I need some kind of like uh, things to work with and to play with. So the fact this window was like really repetitive buildings, like it was like a massive building with like a lot of flat windows. It was not really anything from that. The things what I thought was quite interesting, like it was almost like a repeat pattern. So I just thought I'm going to make like a really simple repeat pattern. But in my head, I knew like when you, it's going to be massive, it's going to be really interesting. All the um, design that I give them was more like a collage, but I just wasn't really quite happy with it. But I just sent both of this design and uh, in my head, they were like, oh, they're going to, I mean, they, that's the one. The first one was like, that's the one. But when they come back and say, oh, and, and I should have thought about that because they look at it on their small laptop so you know they got like a little kind of 10 centimeters of kind of collage so the other one seems a bit more interesting but when they come back and say oh yeah no we want the collage one i'm like no 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 you actually can't have that one well i've never been pushed like that before but i like, literally no you can't have that one actually my mistake this is not an option <laughs> this is the one and i just had to convince them because i just knew that was going to be so much more interesting on a massive scale as well yeah they were happy <laughs> when uh when they saw that on a big scale. So yeah, it's one thing as well. I never give something you're not fully happy with. That's really good advice to kind of, yeah, not give things as even as options that you don't like yourself. I guess with that, I mean, it leads me on to talking about, you know, dealing with clients and kind of sensitively having those conversations. Do you have any advice for young creatives who are maybe a little bit worried that they're, you know, they're doing work for clients, but the clients are being quite overbearing perhaps, or, you know, being quite directional. Actually, they want to kind of be able to express themselves in the work as well. It's such a fine balance. Do you have any advice for young creatives who are maybe in that situation on how to stand their ground a little bit? Like, I think if you're quite confident in your work and what you show to them I think you just you almost have to kind of like pursue them that's uh, I don't know sometimes it can be a bit of proudness like I had a moment where I just almost like play poker I was like okay well I don't think I'm interested then it's like almost like if you want to do it yourself I just can be a bit like obnoxious not obnoxious but yeah just trying to say your way try to kind of like show them something you're really proud of and I think try to sell it as much as you can I think as well I mean from the sounds of things you also have to be prepared to walk away and I guess you've talked about this in the past that sometimes you do have to say no to commissions and projects even if they're really big great commissions when I just first started and I was doing like murals and things like that I just did a lot of like free work and it was like and at first it's great because it was a great opportunity but then you realize actually when people come to you and say oh it's going to be a great uh, visibility I'm like yeah but that's it like now I just need to be paid because just even for my own confidence it was like it just doesn't help me as an artist or designer to kind of like you know like you like my work but if you are to pay for it would you still like it you just have to kind of like follow your instinct because also like deep down it doesn't give you a good confidence and it's so nice when yeah okay now I'm getting paid to do my work and it means like they really like it and I think now I'm in an incredible position to be able to say no to work because usually yeah it doesn't fit I don't know it's like really personal I'm doing less project now so I just want to make sure I choose the right one sustainable as possible now for the good client or like for like I don't know, I really love doing collaboration at the moment with is like small, maybe designer or like uh, makers and we're just going to kind of bring our brain together and it takes time to do all of this project, but so much rewarding, like mentally, I think it's been really nice to kind of like 
turn it down a bit and just uh, take your time to choose the right thing because it just makes you happier. And I think when you're happier, you probably do better design. And I just feel like you attract things to you a bit more as well. I guess for people as well who are feeling a little bit like they're maybe being pigeonholed by art directors or at least creating work that feels, I guess, like it's quite similar to stuff they've done in the past. At what point do you feel like you need to say, all right, I need to mix things up now. I need to do something that's different and that's not in that style. How do you know when to make that decision? It feels like a difficult decision to make. It's almost something you have to explore, like I think on the side, like, you know, like when you feel confident to say it's like, obviously you will have to spend some time developing a new work or a new style and you just have to pitch for it. Before when I was doing little walls and I just had this big dream, I wanted to do a building and I think I was just like literally tried to find someone going to give me a building, which that happened. And then I wanted to do a school and then I was just really trying. I just like, I was like a fearless, which is not, I'm not always like that. I used to be, and even sometimes like quite unconfident, but if it's something I really want to do, like. I will just try to find this opportunity to make it happen for myself. There's a lot of things I've done like a bit originally for free because then you were like, you know what, well, I was getting paid for the things I don't especially like, but to find an amazing opportunity for something is going to make then show your different work to someone else to then employ you and to pay you for that. I think it's worth it sometimes. Yeah, it's something that um, Joshua Kissy, one of our other interviews in, in the podcast said, is that, yeah, he's got these, you know, amazing commercial projects now, but they all stemmed from personal projects. You know, it all started with things that he was doing for his own passion, his own, you know, his own desire. So if you can do those self-initiated projects, then they often do lead to great things. Kind of looking forwards, I guess now, is there a particular kind of dream project that you'd still love to do? Something that you haven't necessarily had the chance to do yet, but that's very much on the bucket list? I don't know. I think like um, I'm trying to kind of like maybe find a way to do something more community based. Which I think I haven't really done enough. Like I just think for charity, I just feel like at the moment, like to do something which is like more meaningful and helpful. So yeah, I've got this kind of like project happening with a charity as well called Migrate Art with like women's refugees. So I don't know. I've got like, yeah, I just want to try to develop more community or charity project, which I think is nice. It just makes, I think it's nice to kind of like give the fact you give it back and it's like, yeah, just to bring my kind of skills and just to make sure it's kind of be helpful or, or meaningful and to help my community as much as I can. We've obviously spoken a lot today about creative confidence and, you know, how to make the kind of right decisions. But I think we've also touched on creative burnout and the challenges of that. And I guess we've kind of said that, you know, having a creative career, doing something creative for a living is a huge privilege, but it also often leads to kind of overwork and putting too much pressure on yourself. I mean, is that kind of, I guess, a central message you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I think it's just like trying to find a balance, I think, like in everything, because I think if you are constantly trying to create, I think at some point, yeah, like, I mean, I think you will just get a bit of a burnout. You need to kind of almost take your brain in some completely different area or even if it's like it could still it still would be creative but you know like if you're gardening or if you do some gardening or or cooking or i don't know just walks it's just like just to like switch off for a bit because and i think that's probably when your ideas actually come from but yeah just find a balance spend more time with your friend and your family <laughs> the best advice you could possibly give anyone is yeah spend a bit more time with your friends and family i love that camille it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation thank you so much for joining us on the it's nice that podcast thank you very much for having me That was Camille Wallala there. If you want to hear a longer version of that interview, well, you can by joining Extra Nice. It's Nice That's membership program. You'll get your hands on a host of benefits and goodies, including a bit more time and a few extra insights from Camille. Please do check it out. Before we head off, we've got one final treat in store. 
Every episode of this podcast, we hear from a creative somewhere in the world and they tell us about a place in their city that keeps them inspired. For this eighth episode, we're hearing from Johnny, the creative director of Kingdom and Sparrow, about the serene beauty of Falmouth in Cornwall and its potential for inspiration. I originally came to Falmouth, which is in the very southwest of England, Cornwall, to attend Falmouth University, where I studied originally fine art, but then illustration. I'd never been to Cornwall, and location wasn't really the top of my priorities when looking for somewhere to study. Really, it was the reputation of Falmouth University and the course I was interested in. It was actually only when I visited for an open day that I was absolutely blown away by the beauty and the serenity of the place. I mean, even the campus is sort of set in amongst a tropical garden. And without seeing much else, I was convinced that this was a place I wanted to spend my time and where I wanted to study. Cornwall has a reputation as being a place that attracts artists and creatives alike and has done for centuries. I think it's the combination of the seemingly slower pace of life, the connection you have with the landscape that's on your doorstep, you know, both rugged and serene, and the rich and diverse creative community make it a place that people clearly want to not only study, but live and breathe it. We founded Kingdom of Sparrow back in 2012 here in Falmouth because we felt that it had the potential to harness the amazing and world-class talent that the county attracts and provide a lifestyle that's not only encourages mindfulness and well-being, but to do what we do on a global stage and in a place that a lot of people would want to live and work. Some of our team, for instance, certainly in the summer months will nip out for lunchtime for a quick dip in the sea or even a a run round the headland. Although I will say, not me, I'm more of a on the water or beside the water kind of guy. Falmouth's a place I rarely get bored of and with the world becoming an ever more connected place, why not do it all from Cornwall? That was Johnny from Kingdom and Sparrow telling us about the creative potential of Falmouth. And I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. My thanks to Camille and to my colleague Lucy Borton for joining me here on the podcast. I'm sure you've listened to podcasts before, so this won't come as a surprise. But if you enjoyed listening to this, it would make us very happy if you could write a review on your favourite podcast app, or even better, if you could also subscribe to the show. The It's Nice That podcast is produced by Palm Tree Island. Our theme music was written and performed by Sounds Like These. Thanks for listening and see you next time.